Well, we've been looking at, we started a new series uh, looking at men and women of the Bible, and we started with the prototypical man, Adam. And so we looked at Genesis last week and, and considered what exactly God was intending and what he was trying to give us a picture of when, when he thought of the perfect man. And so we recognized that, that part of that was that God had put us in a unique placement in creation. We weren't equal with animals. We're not God. We're, we're kind of right between the two of them. So we have this unique placement where we're called to, to reign and have dominion over creation, but it's not a kind of authoritarian dominion, but one that, that stewards and, and, and governs with, with grace and, and uh, like a gardener in his garden. You care for the things that God has entrusted you with. And so we are called to this unique position. And be, part of the reason is because we have this unique origin, right? We come from the dust. We're, we're made, God actually formed Adam from the dust, from the ground, but he wasn't just dust. He wasn't just the ground. He was made alive through the breath of God. And so we have this unique, again, place and origin in creation where we have the breath of God in us in a way that, that your lovely dog or cat does not have, your pet turtle or your, your bearded dragon or whatever weird animal you might have in your household or the one that's in the backyard because you live in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we are different and we're differentiated by the fact that though we come from the dust, we have the breath of God in us. And then finally, we talked about our unique purpose in creation, that God has given us a purpose to reflect his nature, to reflect his character, to rule in a way that, that reflects his goodness, and, and we're to do that. Today, we want to look at the other, other side of, of this creation, right? God created Adam, and with Adam, he also created Eve. Eve that's right. And all the married men said, amen. <laughs> or single men who want to get married. Anyways, okay. <laughs> Apparently, they're not many. <laughs> or they're shy. There you go. If you're shy and you're single, that's, you know, a shy young man, you, know, you got to put yourself out there. Um, learn to play guitar. Just telling you like a friend. You don't have to be good at a lot of things. Just good enough to trick her. My wife isn't here, but I tricked her. I, yeah, anyways, um, where am I? Okay, so let's, uh, let's go to the Word of God because uh, I need him to help me out. We're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 1, verses 25 through 27, and then we're going to read it in chapter 2, verses 18 to 24. Stand up with me. If you don't know, we stand to read the Word of God together because it's good to hear it, not just from my lips, but from your lips and the lips of your neighbors, to participate in hearing and speaking the Word of God. Uh, this is the most important thing about what we do, and the rest of it is unpacking what God has said to us. So let's read this together. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps over the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God, the Lord God said, 
It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him helper filled for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. We're almost there. Then the man said, this is at last the bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this picture of, of your idea of what humanity ought to look like, how we ought to function. Father God, I recognize that, that we have mucked things up, we've messed things up because of sin, but I pray that you would help us to appreciate what you had, had created in creation, what you had put together with man and woman reflecting something about your nature and character and creating a family un- unit that would be used uh, to, to bring glory to your name in all creation. Father, I pray right now that you would help us to to enter in and hear what your word has to say, to be sensitive to your spirit in this. Um, Lord, I pray in, in the places where, where the idea of, of manhood and womanhood is, is broken or it's marred or it's confused, Lord, that you would bring clarity, that there would be uh, a redemptive joy that comes when we consider what it means to be who we were made to be. The dignity, the glory the purpose that you have made for each of us, male or female. Lord God, I pray that you would uh, show us what it means to honor what you have created in us. And in so doing, Lord God, I pray that we would honor you and glorify you ultimately. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I did not realize how long that was, <laughs> reading it out loud. Thank you for your patience. It's a good thing. I, I, I stand by my words. I don't regret doing that, but next time I, I probably will read it out loud to myself, just so I know. <laughs> well, what we see here is that God creates humanity, but what he doesn't do is just create kind of one individual who is going to do something in creation. He creates male and female. And, and the first thing I want to say is that that we need to recognize that Adam could not fulfill his purpose apart from Eve. He could not fulfill his purpose alone. If we look at verse uh, 26 of, of chapter one, it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness, and what? Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the he- uh, uh, birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every uh, creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God had a plan that humanity would, would exercise dominion over the rest of creation. That, that humanity would reflect God's 
and, and represent God's authority in the world. But Adam could not do it alone. In, in chapter 2, it, it says this, The Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. And, and if you, again, if you've ever been a single man, you're like, yes, that is correct. Um, or, yeah, anyways, that's, that's how I felt when I met my wife. It is not good for this man to be alone. I intend to remedy that. But, but the Lord recognizes it is not good for the man to be alone. God gave humanity a purpose, this idea of vice regency or, or uh, uh, being, being kings and queens in the world, representing God, dominion. And God's plan for humanity to accomplish this purpose included both man and woman, male and female. Now, the world has skewed this in a number of different ways, whether it's you know, masculinity that, that tries to suggest that you know, men are better than women or, or men don't need women or, or femininity that tries to suggest that we don't need men. Right? Both have kind of been um, made to be enemies of one another when God has said, no, 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 you both need one another. My intention was never that, that the man would dominate or the woman would dominate or that one would subjugate the other, but that together they would represent something about the character and nature of God in the world and they would rule together. In verse 18 of chapter 2, it says that the Lord God said, uh, it is not good that a man should be alone. This is the first not good that we see in Genesis. In chapter 1, you see he created this and it was good. He created that and it was good. He created this and it was good. He created that and it was good. He looked at it all and it was very good. But then he looks at Adam and says, mm, there's something not good about this. We should pause and recognize that, that you know, guys, you, we, this is a humbling passage for men. It ought to be a humbling passage for husbands because it's important that we recognize that as strong and powerful and, and dedicated as we are, there's something not good about trying to live this life alone. And this has implications beyond just a husband and wife relationship. This is why there's community. And this is why the church exists. When Paul talks about the church, he talks about the multifaceted nature of our giftings. That this person has this gifting, that person has this gifting, this person has this gifting. No one person can say, you know, I'm, I'm all there is. All we need are eyes. Right? All, we, we can't say all we need is men. We can't say all we need is women. Right? There, there's something that's not good about the lack of this complementary relationship. Complementary relationship. Um, so he says, it is not good. We were not made to live alone. Adam's life was incomplete before the fall. How much more is our life incomplete after the fall? Right? Adam made good, made, com made whole, without a blemish, is still seen as incomplete. It's not good that he's alone. And that's before the fall. Right? I, I, I am nervous to say that there was a deficiency in creation, but surely there was something that God was, he was not finished when he had created Adam. And after the fall, though there is that completed nature, we're, we're broken, our humanity is broken, our nature is broken, our thinking about um, gender and sexuality is broken. And so we need to recognize that we need one another and that God has a specific plan, purpose, and order to these things. And so God intends to fix, or not fix, that's the wrong word, because it's prior to the fall. God intends to complete what he began in creating Adam. 
So in verse 25, it says this of chapter one, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind and the livestock and the livestock according to their kind and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and he let him have dominion, et cetera, and so forth. And he goes to verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God had already had a plan for, his, for Adam's need. This isn't a situation where God kind of starts, you know, I don't know if you've ever built something, and my kids do Legos, and, and so you, you build and you follow the instructions, but at some point you might make a misstep, and then you end up with a, oh, that's not a car. What is that? And so you have to kind of go back a bunch of steps and, you know, take it half apart to figure out the, where you, you, you went wrong. That's not what's happening here. God is, what he's doing is he's, he's building, he's creating, he's creating, and he's creating an opportunity for Adam and then for us to see that this is not a complete finished work. It, it, God isn't like it's coming to this point and saying, I'm done, oh, maybe I'm not done. You know, maybe, mm. no, he, he's looking at Adam and giving Adam an opportunity to say, do you think that this is all there is? Do you think that this is all you, that you need? He had intended to create humanity, male and female, right? He wanted to represent his authority in creation through male and female, and he wanted to reflect the plurality of his unity in male and female. We talked about this last week, but, but it bears repeating that God is a trinity, one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three distinct persons, not three, you know, roles in one person, not three gods, right? It's not a, it's not a, a party of three gods. We don't have a, a pantheon. And at the same time, we don't have a God who's sometimes I'm the father, sometimes I'm the son, sometimes I'm the Holy Spirit. No, the father exists eternally. The son exists eternally, distinct from the father. The Holy Spirit exists eternally, distinct from the father. And yet he, it's one God. And something about that complex reality is pictured in the fact that when a man and woman are married in relationship, it's one man, one woman, and yet one person unified in essence. We'll talk more about that. But they were created man and woman, both equally made in the image of God. Men, women are in the image of God. 100%. When you're single, men or women, either one, man or woman, you don't, you aren't sub-image of God, right? The goal of marriage, it's mighty and it's great and it's good, but it's not intended to make you whole in the sense of being now. Now I can reflect the image of God, right? We, we need to recognize the, the, the dignity and the value of individual personality in the same way that the father is no less glorious or the son is no less glorious in recognizing that the Father is not the Son and the Son is not the Father. Does that make sense? Both are fully human, both are equally made in God's image, and yet both provide a needed complement for the other. Listen how, how the writer of Genesis describes the command to rule in verse 28 of chapter 1. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing. So he was saying, you're gonna have dominion and the way that you're gonna do it is by being fruitful and multiplying and he's not talking about growing orange trees. He's talking about babies. Adam can't have babies by himself. Neither can Eve. And, and we'll, we'll, you know, we won't talk about the specifics, but it's important that they do it together. This is, this is a purpose and a mission that can only be accomplished in the context of a marriage family relationship. Adam needed Eve and Eve needed Adam. God's method for Adam to rule and, and reflect his authority was with his co-regent, Eve. So God creates Eve. And we see this in verse 21 and 22 of, uh, well, 18 and 24 of, of chapter two. And I want you to kind of put yourself in Adam's position and, and imagine, if you can, um, the situation. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So he's looking at Adam and he's saying, and, and, and so often, as a side note, God is not, he's not saying this for his benefit. He's saying this so that it can be recorded and we can hear this, Right? Have you ever, I'm sure you've had this as a parent or as a child, you've either said things, you know, oh, there are still shoes on the ground. I wonder why those are there. And then you're, oh, okay, I'm so sorry, you know. And, you know, sometimes as parents, we say things for the benefit of our children. Children, or, and if you're not a parent, you, you know that your parents have probably said things like, I'm going to take someone to the back of the, you know, whatever. And you're like, Okay, well, I better move quickly because I don't think they're, they're just deliberating in their own mind. I think they're trying to help me here. God is trying to help us here. And so he says, Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to all the birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field, but for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. I almost feel like God is, is kind of snickering, like he's bringing the cow up, like, you want to be buddies with this cow? You know, maybe this, maybe this, this lizard can be your friend, and, you know, what about this, you know, whatever. And, and he's bringing things, in, and again, God is not surprised. He's trying to, he, God is about irony, He's about jokes. Now, now, I don't think that's all that's happening, but, but God knows, and the audience, we're the audience, because we've read the other, you know, Moses wrote this, and he's writing to the Israelites, they know, so this is, this is kind of, this is ironic. And he's bringing it up to them, and, and Adam's like, nah, okay, you're gonna be a cow, you're gonna be a sheep, you're gonna be a goat, you know, you're gonna be a bald eagle, I don't know. And... And, and what's happening is Adam is, is being impacted here. And he's realizing, you know, all these animals have counterparts. I don't have a counterpart. And I don't really want to, to, to raise my family with this ox. You know, that's weird. And so, and so he says, um, he recognizes that, that he doesn't have he doesn't have a, a helper fit for him. 
And, and I want to pause here and say that, that God will sometimes put you in a situation not where you're, you're getting the blessings of God, not necessarily where you're, you're receiving all the answers to prayer, but instead you're just kind of getting punched in the face over and over. And you're like, God, where are you? And, and God's like, well, I'm sending the punches. And, and that may be shocking or scandalous to say, but, but God will put us in situations where we recognize our need. He will put us in situations where, where we are forced to the same conclusion that he's waiting for us to get to. You know, I'm awesome. I'm great. I need nothing. I have no problems. I don't need anyone. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be in a small group. I don't need to, I don't need to be a part of a service team. And we get to the place where we recognize, oh my, I'm in need. My encouragement to you is in those moments where you feel like you're in need, that's not a moment to panic. That's a moment to press in. God is, he's about to do something. And so God provides this helper, right? It says there was not a, a helper fit for him. I want to look at those words. The word there, helper, it's an honorable term. It's, it's, it's most often actually attributed to God. You know, when, when we look at the word, ladies, you might say, I don't want to be a helper. I, I got my own plans. Well, well, for better or worse, God used the term. I didn't write it. So you can get, take it up with Moses. He's dead. So I don't know how you're going to do that. Write a letter. I don't know. Um, to the desk of Moses' descendants. Um, but but God, we believe that God wrote this. So we have to take it seriously that, that God intended for Eve to be a helper. And she's the prototypical uh, female. So what does it mean? Well, if you look at some of these texts, God is the helper and he does amazing things on behalf of the people that he's helping. So in Psalm 33, for example, uh, verse 20, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. I want to be that kind of helper, right? That's the kind of helper that that, that has strength and power and provides and, and does things on behalf of someone else. Psalm 1, 115, verses 9 through 11. Our O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust the Lord. He is their what? help and their shield. In Exodus chapter 18, we see God referred to as the, a helper. I'm going to go there. Y'all are going to wait. Because <laughs> I believe in analog. And the name of the other, talking about one of um, Moses' sons, is Eleazar, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Ladies, there's something divine and honorable about being a help to your husband. There's something amazing that God invites you into in helping him. And clearly, he needs it. Yeah. <laughs> if he says he doesn't need it or he thinks he doesn't need it, he needs it. He needs it. And he's in that situation we just talked about. 
where he thinks that he doesn't need it, and God's going to bring him to a place where he realizes, man, I need that. He calls, him, calls her a helper. Not only is she a helper, she's a helper who's fit for Adam. That word fit for, it means corresponding to, opposite to, complementary to, different from. Equal, absolutely, but different. And, and, and it's important to recognize that there are aspects of being a man and being a woman that they're different. And that's good. Now, those, both sides of the differences have been twisted to suggest that, that this difference is bad or, or this, this aspect of human, human maleness or femaleness is better and I wish I had the other. And it, it's all twisted up. And so I recognize that, that many of us have come from a perspective where to, to say that, that it's different and it's good is painful and difficult. But, but I, I want you to just take a moment and hear what God says. God says that, that Eve was created as, as a helper fit for Adam, not the exact same as Adam. And that's good. He, he needed some things, and what he didn't need was another Adam. He didn't need a clone. He didn't need a twin. He needed someone who could, who could complement him. And again, to, to, to step back and widen the field a bit, as a church, we need you. We need someone who's got your skill set and your, your benefits and, and the things that you bring to the church. And, and you need the people around you. And what we don't want to do is to say, I wish I had that. Or I wish life was, was more like that person's life. No, we need to say, God, in, in the way that you've created me, how can I live the most fully accepting, receiving, living in what you have made me to be? Who you have made me to be. And then we need to respect and honor what God has made other people to be within the context of the, the, the order that God has established here. That means, that means we give dignity where there's dignity is lacking. That means sometimes men that we're apologizing for things that other men have done or haven't done. We're taking it on the chin because people have, have misrepresented God's purposes in maleness and femaleness. And ladies, that means sometimes you, you're, you're slowing down a little bit before you're jumping on. But in all of this, we're approaching others with the dignity, the dignity, the respect, and the honor that, that is deserved by someone who bears the image of God. He's fit, she's fit for Adam. What Adam lacked, Eve supplied, and what Eve lacked, Adam supplied. He, she was also pulled from Adam. In verse 21, it says, The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of, his, one of his ribs and closed its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, into the woman, Eve, and brought her to the man. She wasn't brought from the dust, right? She wasn't the same, but she was the same. She was the same material as, as Adam. She wasn't the same as in the dust, but, but she was closer than that. You know, he, he's going to reflect and say, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Same in substance, yet very different. Again, re they're reflecting something about the nature of God. Right? God the Father is God. His essence is deity. 
God the Son is God. His essence is deity. God the, the Spirit is God. His essence is deity. And yet, the Father's not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. Eve was the same makeup, flesh and bone, as Adam, and yet she was different. Even the word there is different. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it says, uh, he made their, uh, he made the rib into the woman. And uh, the word there is actually to build, to form, to create. And it's different from the word that was used when, when God formed Adam from the dust. She's made differently. The, the word to build, it, it implies kind of a, a beauty and a stability that isn't necessarily implied by the way uh, Adam was made. And that is reflected, I think, in, in the nature of men and women. She was built by God, and she was relationally connected both to God and to Adam. Right? It says in verse 22, God made her, and what did he do? He brought her. God brought her. You know, when, when we have wedding ceremonies, you have the father of the bride bring the bride to the groom. Well, this is the father of the bride in the most ultimate of senses. And, and she is in relationship with him. He is her creator. He is her father. And, and she's being brought into relationship with who? With the groom. Adam is receiving his bride. And, and he, he has this poet. If you're not sure, this is poetry. He's, it may not be poetry to us, but in Hebrew, it comes off as Poetry. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And the words there from woman and man, they, they sound similar. Um, so there's some play on words there, but, but Adam basically starts to sing, right? He's like, yes! <laughs> Maybe he didn't, you know, guitars are not there yet, but, but he had a pretty good matchmaker so he didn't need to do that. Adam and Eve were together. Eve was the model for Adam. Model as an example, not model as a supermodel. Um, and they had a mission together. Their mission was to steward the garden with Adam. She was the, yes, okay, thank you. Elder JC says that she was the supermodel. She was. <laughs> I stand corrected. Uh, they had a mission together to steward the garden in, 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 uh, Verse 22, it says that, that God brought her to him and he was where? He was in the Garden of Eden and the purpose for him was to care for that garden. So she was gonna become part of that purpose. She was given the mission to accept God's call to co-rulership, right? God brings her to him and, and theoretically, I guess she could have said no, but she receives God's purpose. She falls in line. She recognizes his lordship and she she does it. And she accepts Adam's invitation to co-rulership, right? Adam basically says, will you marry me in a song? And she says, yes. Or at least she doesn't say no. <laughs> They're called to fill the earth with people. Verse 28 of chapter one, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. This was not something that Adam could accomplish with just a little bit of help from Eve. No, this was something they had to do together. And she was called to obey, ultimately just to do what God had said, to obey God. 
Man and women, man and woman, they were created to reflect God's plurality and unity. There was something about the nature of God that could not be uh, reflected, the, the, the image of God that couldn't just be reflected in a single person. And so God does this amazing thing of creating a man and woman. And in that combination, we get, to, we get a glimpse of, of how full God is, how complete he is, how, how amazing he is. You know, we, t- we kind of take it for granted, but, but God is not just one God. He's, he's, he's got so much going on. I don't want to say he's complex because theologically that's, anyways. Uh, but he's, he's, he's reflected in, in maleness and femaleness. Man and woman, was cre- we were created to, to reign in God's authority. Right? We were called to reign, but, but to reign in the context of family, honoring and stewarding what God had given us. And we were created to fill the earth with people and to receive and respect one another's unique, unique gifts in humanity. Now, I, I recognize that, that this is a picture of God's intention. We, we haven't gotten to chapter three where everything goes haywire. But this is a picture of what God was building from the beginning. And, and really, when we talk about redemption in Jesus Christ, a big part of what's happening is trying to restore what Adam and Eve had in Eden. Adam and Eve were, were representative of God's authority. They were priestly representations of God's authority in Eden, caring for it like a temple. And from then on, we get these pictures of God uh, making the temple, the tabernacle, the, the, the temple itself. Um, then in the New Testament, God dwelling with us. And all of this is a picture of trying to get back to what God was doing in Eden. So we're, we're in a situation where many of these ideas of, of maleness and femaleness and manhood and womanhood, of, of masculinity and femininity, they're twisted up. But we can step back and recognize that God had an intention and a purpose in it, and there's dignity in both. There's dignity in manhood, there's dignity in womanhood. And that there's dignity in being a man, and there's dignity in being a woman, and not feeling like you have to be something beyond what you are. And for many of us, the, the standard of, of that's presented in Genesis has been marred by personal experience, by what people have done to us, by culture, the culture we've grown up in, and by the things that we've done to people. And so you might find yourself saying, well, that's all well and good, but I don't know what that has to do with my life. This, this is a vision of what God wants for us, the kind of unity that allows us to lovingly rule and reign in creation through the kind of loving relationship that Adam and Eve were intended to have. The kind of relationship that reflects the love of the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and if, if you find yourself in a position where, where that's not a reality, the good news is that God has intended for Jesus Christ to do many things, but one of which is to restore what was, what was lost and broken in the fall. Because of our sin, because we disobey God, uh, we've, we've lost many things. And, and, and marriage is one of those things where, where the ideas of what marriage looks like, the idea of what, look, what it looks like to be a man, the idea of what it looks like to be a woman, it's gotten confused. But Jesus came to die on the cross for the sins, and the, the sins of confusion, the sins of, of disregarding what the Bible says, the sin of, of living wrongly in the context of, of relationships with men and, men, men and women, the sin of, of not honoring what God has called us to honor, 
in, in, in womanhood, manhood. And, and he died to, to forgive us, but also to restore that in our lives. And if you find yourself in a position today where you're, you, you're struggling to get on board, you're struggling to see the value that, that is being placed here in, in this kind of equality, co-rulership, God's purpose in creation thing, my encouragement is that Jesus lived a, a life that allows us to begin to consider this. And, and if you, you question God's purpose, you question his, his love, look at Jesus and look at the way he loves us. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much that you love us. I thank you that you've given us this, this amazing picture of who you are in, in maleness and femaleness, in, in manhood and womanhood, that, that we bring to the table such complimentary things and that we cannot do these things alone. And I thank you, God, that you've given us a bigger picture of that in the New Testament, in the church, that there's, there's so much that each of us can bring to the table that, that glorifies you, that apart from our shared experience and, and commitment to our community, we will miss out. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to see our purpose in creation, to help us to see our purpose in this community of faith, to help us see our purpose in, in all of these areas. Lord, I pray that you'd bring wholeness where there's brokenness, where sin has marred or, or, or confused, that you'd bring restoration and redemption, that you'd help us to love better, to love more deeply, to love more unconditionally. Lord, I pray that you bless us and help us. We thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.